Welcome to Flop Stars, a brand new podcast looking at our favourite pop stars in our hearts who can't quite compete on the charts. Each week, I'll be joined by pop expert and Project U founder, Nick Kelly, and together we'll be looking at a project that was criminally underrated commercially, but won cult adoration. This is a chance to dig into some of the best pop records of our time and also have a little laugh about the ridiculous world they're forced to compete in. For our first episode, we're zooming in on the ultimate flop star, Queen of Swords' Carly Rae Jepsen and her 2015 record, Emotion. The album tanked on the charts, but it was a monumental moment in Jeppo's career, taking her from one hit wonder to adored pop cult leader. Pop changed because of emotion, even though some normies will ask you what happened to the Call Me Maybe girl. Let's get started and say hi to Nick Kelly. Truly the honour of my life to discuss such a classic album with you, Sam Murphy. Thank you. The, the feeling is mutual. How do you feel about this record? What are your thoughts about it now? You know, it's been how long now since it came out? Almost five years, which seems crazy. But I really think, sounds a bit OTT, but I think it sort of changed pop for the latter half of last decade. Um, it, it added like a, it added a glitter and a glisteningness, if that's even a word, to what pop ended up sounding like in the latter half of last decade. And I think it also gave other pop artists an opportunity to get a bit more classic with their pop yeah and get a little bit more get a little bit more fun with it as well i think everyone felt like they had to make these like earnest intense you know serious pop records for a while and then carly came along and dispersed her emotion no pun intended through just this beautiful glittery way and i think it really changed things emotion was the point at which pop like you said didn't become too serious, but it also gained critical acclaim in a way. Carly's was the first record to have critics coming out and saying, I really, really love this unashamedly pop album. And it felt like a shift that continued for the last yeah, five years. Yeah, and I think there were the albums, decade. you know, leading up to it. I'm just trying to think of some examples. Like, I think, you know, records by people like Sia and Taylor Swift, potentially, that felt like they were trying to have a lot of fun, but they also kept it a bit safe and then this really just went 100% balls to the yeah. wall pop and that's what needed to happen to shift the needle I think someone needed to make an album that was just so unashamed that critics went okay this is this is how you do look for ways to be cool and it's really interesting that such a bubblegummy kind of album really ended up being an alternative album this album wasn't like a big mainstream pop record. This was sort of a, a underground cult following that started to build from it. And it's, it's an interesting one for her because obviously Call Me Maybe was this big sort of meme of a record. And when you look at it, it's a great song. It's so well written. It's well produced. It's catchy yeah. as hell. It's a damn earworm. But it kind of built that meme kind of feel about it because it was so catchy and, and because everyone was kind of at that pre optimism stage. Um, so I think people coming into hearing this album weren't sure what Carly Rae Jepsen was. I think for a while they thought she might just be this meme that keeps popping up, you know, every now and then and releasing more meme records a la Rebecca Black. <laughs> and then every, everyone... An absolute pop queen. An absolute queen, an icon. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, you're right. Like, she brought people like Dev Hines and Ariel Rexshade and Rostam into it. Um, but also, you know... 
collaborators like Matt Man and Robin, who had been in that sort of main pop realm as well, brought them together, brought the 80s influence that kept it incredibly modern as well with the production. And yeah, there's just so many elements to emotion, so many like subtle elements that came together to make it the album that it was and make it the sort of... I think so. I think... I think it's interesting to look back at it where we are now because obviously pop has shifted so much and even looking at festival bills this year, pop is up the top for the first time ever. Like they finally decided they don't need four white guys with a guitar to sell a festival and there's people like Charlie XCX on top in Laneway and then we had Housie down here for Falls as well. So I think looking back at the record now, it's easy to be positive about it. But at the time, it really was a bit of a failure in terms of a major label record coming off the back of a hit like Call Me Maybe that was just so big because the album did pretty badly, really. Yeah, it, it really did. And, and that goes back to what I was saying, like the cult thing. It ended up having to garner a cult following because it sold so commercially horribly. Um, and, and that would be, I suppose quite disheartening when you've gone here's what I'm going to do I'm going to make this sort of groundbreaking pop record that brings together all these elements that have never been brought together before at least in a mainstream sense and then it performs so terribly I'm sure her and her team would have been pretty disheartened at the time thinking well you know we've made this fun record we enjoyed doing it but it's obviously not what people want to listen to um it would have been a difficult situation what the hell do we have to do yeah exactly when you look at the rollout for I Really Like You, which came months before the record, so they've obviously gone, they've obviously panicked a little bit after the release of that first song and given it a bit of time to figure out what they were going to do. But she had Tom Hanks and Justin Bieber in the video clip for I Really Like You, which is not saying I want to make some alternative pop record. That's being like, we want a number one single and we want it like in the next 48 hours, preferably. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll use influencers, we'll make this almost, like, Christmas movie feel-good-esque video that families can enjoy and people of all ages can love, and we've got this massive chorus, this song should be heard everywhere. But, you know, I think when, when they probably took that single to, to radio pluggers and to the media at large, I suppose it probably would have been initially written off as another Call Me Maybe, because it is so joyous and so simple in many ways. But I need to tell you something... think it would be interesting to see what would have happened if they started the campaign with run away with me because mm. that felt so different to anything she'd done before and so bold it would have been quite hard to ignore that straight up whereas as you said i really like you was taking the same formula as call me maybe and just hoping that nobody had changed in two or three years But I think about, you know, when, when Style by Taylor was taken to radio, which has a similar similar structure sonically to what um, to what Run Away With Me had. And I, I agree with you. If they'd taken Run Away With Me to radio, they would have heard those sort of, after the big horns at the start, you get this really sort of deep, brooding 80s sound that is exactly how Style felt to listen to. And I think radio may have yeah. taken that more seriously. And radio, especially in 2015, was still the litmus test for a hit record, um, particularly in the States, but also in Australia. And I think if that had been taken first and it had been pitched the right way and Carly had been presented as this modern, you know, 
groundbreaking pop artist rather than the girl from Call Me Maybe, um, they potentially would have had a little bit more success with it. But on the flip side of that, it's almost a blessing in disguise that that didn't happen because she would have got to 2012 collaborating with Anne-Marie and on Anne-Marie and on David Guetta tracks <laughs> and doing anything she could to grab a like, like a late hit. Getting a Quavo but instead, feature. she's become... Exact. Oh my god, she would absolutely be getting a Quavo <laughs> feature. I would imagine she would have been holding fruit up to Migos on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and see, so, yeah, you're right. Of that, that is the is beauty. that she's a cult icon now, and she doesn't have the hugest fan base of any pop star, but she has an exceptionally devoted fan base of queer people, of adults, of young people like the audiences that go to color Egyptian shows are so diverse you get even like people who'd be reading pitchfork like pitchfork snobs who would have loved bands from seattle back in the 90s <laughs> are in carly ray jepson audiences and it's crazy the way she's turned it around i love the specificity of your references to very to audiences and what they liked like bands from seattle yeah. in the 90s is <laughs> Show me your Google. But that's, you're exactly right. And and it's been, I think it's been really interesting. I think 2015 felt, from an Australian perspective at least, 2015 sort of started to feel like a time when LGBT people were a little bit more proud about themselves. Um, I don't know whether that's just because I was sort of becoming an adult then, but it, it definitely felt like the tide was shifting. And I think the marriage equality conversation was beginning. And that sort of tied in with having these, anthems that soundtracked the time that were unashamed that were glistening that were exciting that were a little stroke of glitter underneath your left eye at a festival that was the kind of feel of the music and it was also I suppose reflective of what was happening in the wider context at the time and now yeah you're right you see you see you know Carly came and did her first Australian shows a mere couple of months ago selling out these big shows with you know the audiences that that music soundtracked their lives over the last five years. Yeah, it's so interesting now that she made it eventually. And I don't I guess you would know as well, running a esteemed pop blog in Australia. <laughs> you see all these people at shows that you've met online and never put a face to their name in like a physical space. And I think that the reason things shifted so much in the middle of the decade is because these communities that were forming online really found their voice in terms of getting behind artists and also interacting with each other. And I think Carly Ray and Charlie and Casey Musgraves later on really typify those communities that were coming together and celebrating this pop music and just creating their own fandom for artists that weren't finding it in the commercial space. What I think is really interesting about Carly in that context, though, is you mentioned people like Charlie and Casey who are deeply involved on a so- from a social media perspective, deeply involved in those communities and having those conversations yeah. with their fan bases. But Carly let the music do the talking. She never became like involved in Stan Twitter or she never really post, you know, was a regular Instagram poster or anything. And a lot of her stuff would come for, you know, bird's eye view and everything. She almost had to catch up with it because I imagine when somebody went and handed her a blow up stage on sword, she was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Did you say stage on sword? You said blow up stage on sword. Did I? (laughs) (laughs) Blow up sword on stage. (laughs) I think also like Carly is, Carly's 34 now. So when she was sort of starting, 
you know, when, when Emotion came out, she was already 30 years old. And not to, you know, be ageist or anything, but you can you compare that to, you know, Charlie, who's still in her mid-20s. Um, and yeah. I, I suppose when you are nearing your mid-30s, you probably don't care about that kind of stuff as much, that social media, you know, that stag I can't culture. imagine your scrolling imager when you're getting to... <laughs> that stage of your life look i'm sure i will but it's a good it's a really good point you make about that because when you think of the flop stars as we're going to call them for all intents and purposes it was kind of pop stars who'd had really big success and then were reaching like the latter parts of their careers and they weren't really fitting into the box of commercial radio anymore so their fans kind of got behind them and kind of celebrated the fact the fact that they were a flop like when you think of Britney Spears and Madonna and pop stars like that that's really how they've survived in the latter part of their career but it's happened to people like Charlie and Carly so early on it's celebrating the humor of it all I suppose um I think there is I think we talk about you know LGBTQ communities and young people being involved in the Carly Rae Jepsen fan base and I think what those communities generally look for is escapism and they look for an escape from the from the bullshit that the world's throwing at them on a daily basis and they find part of that escape in humor and part of humor is watching an album or a song perform terribly but still be great but the artist (laughs) the, the artist sort of lives in the shadows but they kind of celebrate that and they celebrate the underdog it's a beautiful thing yeah and i guess when they saw what happened with the album i mean it didn't reach the top 10 here it didn't reach the top 10 in the us and it didn't reach the top 10 in the uk it sold pretty miserably but then you get to the end of the year and you have it number one on pop justice's list number three on stereo gums list number three on bloody vice's list as well and suddenly they're like, oh, now we've got our little critical darling. We can get behind that instead of <laughs> following the chart Twitter accounts and championing her for Exactly. That. And that's a really interesting thing. And I think um, the thing that I've always considered about critics and critical acclaim, it, it's always been, to me, I've always tried to not care about it. And it's been more to me about how it actually connects with the fans. But I think what critics did at that time was... I think critics really sort of gave the fans a voice and went, no, no, yeah. no, no. Just because it didn't get this number or it didn't sell this many units doesn't mean that it wasn't a celebrated and much loved album that that year and and in the end of in the end of twenty nineteen that decade. Um, there was yeah, there was a, there was a conversation that critics actually brought up and gave power to and that was the fact that the fans actually gave a shit about it and that she brought new fans on board which is how unashamed it was yeah i really like that actually thank you speaking of critics (laughs) i want to play a little game with you okay (laughs) that i've given the genius name of review of ikea furniture or carly ray jepson's emotion i love this so much and i particularly love this because i'm an ikea tragic um, I'm pretty sure this chair yeah. is from Ikea. My bed is from Ikea. Um, big fan of the meatballs and the 0.01% alcohol cider that you can get from the cafe at Ikea. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and I'm a awesome. big Carly Rae Jepsen It really fan. sounds like this is a sponsored podcast right now, but <laughs> it's definitely not. Hey, we'll take the cash, though. If, if but, yeah, we'll take the cash. But yeah. the only sponsor we're accepting is MailChimp for any podcast. <laughs> 
audible.com one of the two <laughs> email us okay are you ready to go i'm good to go hit me okay the first one is like a slab of blank space a slab of blank space hmm. now i'd like to say this is a carly ray jepsen reference but when i think about that record i don't think about blank space i think about busy space busy rainbow space covered in biodegradable glitter with feathers <laughs> coming off it i don't think of blank space so i'm gonna lock in ikea furniture for that one before i tell you if you're right or wrong thanks for just adding your own little review of the album in there <laughs> look i'm happy to i just want to relate everything back to color of jepson on flop stars it's very important <laughs> nick kelly pitchfork reviewer um Saying that, that was actually Pitchfork's review of Emotion. What? Not what were, their entire review, What were the surrounding... But... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, what were the surrounding words of blank space? Because... <laughs> Look, I've taken it completely out of context <laughs> and I can't even tell you. But I promise you, you will find it there if you go control F. Okay. Um, the next one is polished until it catches the light. Okay. This could either be like a really good outdoor furniture setting made of like a teak or timber sort of setup, or it could be the fact that the Carly Rae Jepsen album has been sort of produced to within an inch of its life. I'm gonna go Carly on this one. You're correct. That's from the Guardian review. Well done, the Guardian. There's some great words from the Guardian. Yeah, that's a beautiful sentence. Yeah. Um, a more finished appearance is the next one. Okay. Well, I don't think appearance would be used to describe the record. And I like to think that my critics won't be focusing on the appearance of their artists or the appearance of any of the collateral that comes with I the record. I think you'd be surprised. However, are you right? They, they, they will find any word possible to describe. However, I think this is going to be a review for something from Ikea. That's true. It is yes. from a beautiful piece of furniture called Niden. What's a Niden? N-E-I-D-E-N. You know what? I actually don't know. It looks like some kind of chair of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, I'd buy that. It looks, comf- it looks comfortable. I'd buy that. Okay. The next one is completely lost its shape in the middle and it offers absolutely no support. <laughs> Now, I'm trying to think about the middle of emotion. What tracks centred themselves around the middle? Do you remember? If we're thinking the middle, we're thinking, um, like, boy problems, making okay. the most of the night. The sea oh. co-ruts. Well, I don't think it lost its shape around the middle. I think it held up quite well. It was supportive <laughs> and sturdy. My fat ass could have sat on it easily, <laughs> and it would have been given great support. However, I just think it's a bit too speci- it's a bit too much of a furniture reference to make a good review of the Carly album. So I'm going to go IKEA furniture once again. It is. It's yes! a beautiful couch called Kivik, and a lot of the people who bought the Kivik had a lot of problems with the middle cushion in particular. Okay, so if you find the Kivik, ensure that you sit on the left or the right. Not, just, not sort of made for cuddles or anything. It's a left and right situation. It's made for like divorce, for like near divorced middle aged people that don't want to sit Definitely. near each other but still yeah. sit together to watch TV. It's made for them. 
in stark comparison, we've decided that emotion has a very sturdy middle. Absolutely. <laughs> Holds up well. And it's been made by very good carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> we could call Carly the Jesus of pop music. <laughs> or the Frank Ocean. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the next one is soft as butter. Ooh. Could also describe a really quality cushion. I don't think this album was soft. I think the album hit hard. It had bloody pulsating, glitzy beats all through it. Hard vocal delivery. But you could say her voice is quite. Her voice is quite soft. In some elements, but then she belts. Yeah, but I feel like she almost belts on most of the choruses. Well. I actually think she said that um, for a few songs on the record, your type in particular, she vaped before she recorded it to get a <laughs> bit of a Kings of Leon texture to her. <laughs> the third follow wheel brother is actually Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> I'm going to go Carly Rae for this one. That was actually a description of Fialbo from Ikea. <laughs> I believe it's some kind of cushion or ottoman or something like that. I want one if it's soft as butter. Although butter's... You'd be surprised the kind of people who leave reviews on IKEA furniture. They never seem very satisfied, but this person was almost blown away by the (laughs) Well, I feel like when you want to review something, and this is going completely off topic, which is what I expect this podcast will regularly do, I feel like when you want to leave a review on a piece of furniture you will only leave a bad review. Like, you're not you're not satisfied with a bed and then logging on to Yelp or something yeah. and typing, this was a great bed to sleep in. I really enjoyed it. Like, you only log on to go, don't buy it, to warn others. <laughs> I'm really glad that we've gotten deep on the IKEA furniture <laughs> yeah. reviews. That was a great I game. A, all right, if anybody's still with us and listening after... <laughs> Furniture chat, which that is actually it. our um, our spin-off podcast coming in summer. <laughs> <laughs> the next game I want to play with you is is all subjective, so there's no right or wrong answers. It's called Carly on the Charts or Carly in Our Hearts. And we're pitting a very successful Carly song from the charts up against one that's more of a fan favourite. Okay, I like this. So the first one is Call Me Maybe versus Run Away With Me. Okay, how does it? How does this game work? Is it, is it which one did better on the charts? Is that the no, mechanic? No, you have to tell me which one you prefer. Oh, I'm which not one? I... Tell you you're wrong. I might tell you you're wrong. But... Sorry, I just re- I just remembered you said subjective, so now I understand the game. Sorry, anyone listening? To be fair, I haven't sent you anything about this entire thing beforehand, so <laughs> you're forgiven. What were the two songs again? Call me maybe or run away with me. That's a really hard one because I don't want to discredit Call Me Maybe's sort of role in establishing Carly Rae Jepsen as an artist. But what are you going to play? Like... If Call Me Maybe came on your iPod Shuffle, would you skip? Yeah. Yeah, I would. That's a really good way yeah. of putting it. So it's definitely Run Away With Me. Run Away With Me just had this 
energy to it that no pop song had ever yeah. had to me at that point. Easily one of my favourite songs of the decade. Um, yeah, it's 100% run away with me. The start, the horns at the start of that song are so triumphant. It feels like it could be like soundtracking the queen arriving at the wedding of one of her <laughs> sons or something like that. One of her, one of her estranged sons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a call to arms, really. It really feels like yeah. a call to arms, doesn't it? I feel like the next one is going to be a little personal for you because I, I think you're a fan of the chart head. Um, good time with Our City or Cut to the Feeling. How dare you pit my two daughters against each other? <laughs> Stop pitting women against each other, Sam. It's exceptionally offensive. Uh, look, this is a, you're right. It is a deeply personal issue for me, this one, uh, because Al City, really Carly's second coming after Call Me Maybe was Good Time. It was the second song that everyone actually knew. And then everyone could sing along I think to. it was extremely lucky that that song did well. <laughs> now, now, now. I think it was a great... <laughs> I think it was a great record. But I also think Cut to the Two Feeling is very good. Two one-hit wonders coming together for the greater good, actually. When you yeah. Think about Our City and Carly. I can't think of another Our City song that did well either. So... Oh, oh Vanilla Twilight. Leave your eyes. Yeah. Vanilla Twilight was the other one. That went okay. Come to me for all your... I've never heard I of it. I think that. so. Maybe maybe our city could be a future future podcast for us. I don't know if I have half an hour in our city. <laughs> <laughs> Back to uh, the pitting these two against each other. It's hard, but I'm, I'm going to have to go good time. Really? I think it's lasted the distance for me. Like it's, wow. it, it still slaps in my mind. And because Carly's chosen Cut to the Feeling as, like, her encore at all her shows. Like, in her mind, that's her, her moment. And strangely, Good Time is missing from her set list. <laughs> A strange could, omission. Couldn't get our city on tour with her. <laughs> but, look, that could be an exciting opportunity for her to get a different male singer on stage at every show <laughs> in each city. Based on the city. I yeah. would love to see Matt Corby fill in. And see <laughs> Jump up with his hat. His hat and his dirty <laughs> Doc Martens. Yeah, the whole trio. Get the drummer up there to do a 12-minute solo. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. No, I'm going to go good time. I'm 100% looking in good time. It just It is a good time, okay. as, the, as the title says. I'm going to disagree it... with you on that one. Okay, you're allowed to. I'm going to go with cut to the feeling. Respectfully disagree. Thank you. Thank you. Um, respect the is the key. At this last podcast. one is I Really Like For You, which actually did okay. It got into the top 20. Or Party For One. Nah, I'm going to go I Really Like You. That's not a hard one for me. I Really Like You was... Really? Yep. 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 I like them both. I'm going to sit on the fence. You're not allowed to sit on the fence. This is a podcast. You have to have hot takes only. <laughs> not allowed to be in the middle. All right. If I have to choose, I'm going party for one. Only because it's the newest. 
and because I want to play devil's advocate. <laughs> you will be the devil of this podcast. No, I think I really like you, and I, I loved. I really love the video. I love what you. she did with the video. I love that she sort of brought the. It was ridiculous. It was a little bit absurd, and it brought out just how sort of unabashed and exciting the song was um, at the time. So I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm locking in. I really like you. I'm in the I really like you camp. Okay. Well, I can now tell you the correct answer was <laughs> party for one. <laughs> Damn it. So that's what subjective means. It means you can have your opinion, but it won't necessarily be correct. Don't you know that? Haven't that's, you been on Twitter for de- a decade? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the final game to finish up our debut podcast. Yep. Um, is guess the chart position. So I'm going to give you some numbers. Yep. A bit like Powerball. And <laughs> you're going to pick the position that it landed in in the country that I give you. So the first one is Runaway With Me's chart position in Australia. Was it 100, 42, or it didn't chart at all? This is a hard one because, like, like, Promises by Calvin Harris is still in the top 100 in Australia right now, so... Is it really? Yeah. So, so I feel like the the barrier for entry is not particularly difficult. I'm going to go 100. You're correct. Yes! Because I knew I couldn't have done 42. Wait a minute. That's Jessica Malboy levels. <laughs> okay, the next one is I Really Like You in the US. Did it get to 8, 39, or 27? So it got to one of those? Yeah. In the US? Yeah. It's very impressive. It probably made it onto a Now That's What I Call Music um, <laughs> compilation. compilation. Um, can you give me those numbers again, please? Much like the Ozlotto draw. Yeah, it's 8, 39, and 27. 8's too high, knocking 8 out immediately. Okay, 8's gone. So it's between 39 and 27. I'm going to be optimistic here, I'm going to go 27. That's incorrect, it was 39. I shouldn't have been optimistic. Okay, cut to the feeling in Japan, 13, 42, or 9. I know she's pretty popular in Japan, and that feels like a very Japan song. It's got that kind of ridiculousness, that <laughs> that cuteness to it. A Japanese song. Yeah, and I know she had the Japan's Japan... usually Avril Lavigne's <laughs> So she's got domination on the territory. One, only one Canadian can go well there. And I know she had, um, and, and a, lot, a lot of artists do, but I know she had a deluxe edition that came out of Japan with a few extra songs just for that market as well. Um, I'm gonna go... Sorry, those numbers again, please. Give me the supplementaries. 13, 42, or 9? I'm gonna go 9. I reckon she's a Japan top 10 artist. Brum, brum. Shit. 13, unlucky for some, you included. Still... The Baker's Dozen. That's still pretty good, though. Pretty pretty impressed with her work there. Baker's (laughs) Dozen. 
Thank you to our sponsors, Baker's Delight. <laughs> Try the finger buns. The one with the sprinkles. For providing us with a cinnamon scroll to nibble on throughout the podcast. <laughs> to share. We get one to share. No individual one. Across continents. Um, okay, the final one is Emotion, the album, mm-hmm. in Germany. Did it get to 12, 41, or 73? 12, 41, or 73 for the album itself. Germany doesn't feel like a particularly Carly market. I have no factual information to base that thought off, but I'm going to go, was it 73? It was 73. Yeah! I'm really glad that the lower... Oh, so good. And otherwise flat podcast. It (laughs) It really sort of sums up the Carly energy but that's the whole thing with her yes she may not have the chart success but goddamn, she is in our hearts forever and in the pop stratosphere forever and there are so many artists i mean just the other day like maggie rogers tweeted something around carly and around how carly sort of taught her that pop music was an okay thing to like and an okay thing to make and i really enjoyed that tweet i've got the tweet here it's honestly carly ray jepson's record emotion was so important for me i thought I didn't like pop music, which is absurd slash hilarious in hindsight. And my roommate kept being like, dude, you should see your face when those songs come on. That record gave me permission, helped me give in. They're beautiful words. And that really sums up which... the energy around her. And our faces, you know, you and I have known each other for a while. And a lot of our times have been soundtracked by Carly Rae Jepsen moments. And there's no, you don't listen to Carly Rae Jepsen with a sort of somber mood on you. You feel something, you feel a jolt through your body. Um, not a lightning strike, but a jolt, nonetheless. It's the most joyous experience seeing her in concert, and I just think it kind of embodies her fans and everybody that follows her is there's this kind of mood when Carly comes on and you can't, like you said, you just can't help but but frown. I mean, you can't help but smile. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pop stars, guys! (laughs) I got I got my lines mixed for next week's um our city podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to go and take a long rest. Thank you, Nick, for joining us, and thank you, Carly, for providing us with endless content, and thank you to IKEA and those who um populate the IKEA review board. And Mailchimp, thanks to Mailchimp. And MailChimp. Thanks, MailChimp. Thanks, Baker's Delight. We look forward to another great episode with our sponsors. Thank you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Nick.